does Busaka still do spring break? How joggers and runners drive hikers nuts. A documentary on saving Florida's wildlife corridor. Overdevelopment and red snapper regulation. All this week on The Real Guy Podcast. Clear the airwaves. The Lunker Dog is on the air. Are you ready? This is The Real Guy Podcast. This is Captain Jeff, and welcome to The Real Guy Podcast. I got the world's favorite millennial, Stephen Busaka, in the Lunker Dog Studios. Stephen, good to have you. Dude. I did spring break this year. What do you mean you did spring break? Like, I got a kid. Yeah. So she has spring break. That's when my spring break is now. When you get a kid, you then adopt her spring break. Oh, so where'd you guys go? I didn't go anywhere. She went to the Keys for a week. So what did you do? I worked. How do you think she can go to the Keys for a week? Like, I got to work. <laughs> I make the money, she spends it. That's not taking spring break. Well, I didn't say I took spring break. I you, said I had spring break. Okay. Well, no, Victoria technically had it. Well, I had it too. The question is, are you still doing spring break? No. I stopped doing spring break a few years ago. What do you mean a few? When I started working full time. And then that, that was it. That was the end of my, that was it. No more spring break for me. So you, that's it. You just gave up on spring break. I just kind of gave up on it. There was too many people. So what the hell were you doing in in Orlando for a week? I thought you were on spring break. No, I was actually visiting the fam for freaking Easter holiday. Dude, that's spring break. I I call it Easter holiday. Did you take any time off? I took one day. So long weekend. Long weekend, but. I also made sure so because in, in Orlando area, right. you know, my mom lives just thirty minutes away from the St. John's River Marsh. Right. And you know how much I love hiking the St. John's. Right. So even after work, I'd wake up early to start working so I could leave early so I go hike the St. John's. Are you one of these people that can work mobile? Like you don't have to be in the office. Yes and no. So yes. Okay. Yeah, we could say that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, either you can either you're allowed to do that or you're not. You're obviously allowed to do that in some capacity. Well, yeah. But I also like to make sure that I'm focused on the marsh when I'm in the marsh. Dude, you're like, not going to believe how so many So when you're so when so you're still doing spring break. Sure, why not? Well, I just I'm enjoying myself, I guess if we could say that, but I just prefer not to be around that many people. So that's why you go hiking in the marsh. I go hiking the St. John's River Marsh. So out of all the hiking that you've been doing, how much hiking are you doing like dude during your spring break? You're gonna die when I tell you in a, in a week how many miles I hiked. How many? Almost forty. That's almost two marathons, dude. No, not really, but close. I don't know. I forgot how long a marathon. Twenty six miles. So two would be fifty two miles. Yeah. So but you're coming close. That's coming close. That's a lot of freaking hiking. But I got to tell you, the, it's it's like it's like you know we talk with fishing. The more you go out there, the more you see. Dude, we saw some cool shit out there. Well, hold on a second. Is hiking? Is that like fishing? Is it a sport? It could be considered a sport, depending no, on what no, kind no, you do. No, no, no. Is hiking a sport? But yeah, are people competing? Not where I go. But I don't know. I don't think anybody's competing in hiking. I don't think. Then it's not a sport. Okay, I just think from the exercise standpoint, exercise sports. I think you might be able to hike, and because you hike, it may enhance your 
level of athleticism for sports, but hiking itself isn't exactly a sport. I mean, it's not like, yeah, they make apparel for it, they make shoes for it and all that, but like, how, like, how could I out-hike you? <laughs> you just better be moving faster, or you got to get up early. Get you got to get, the early bird gets the worm. What about the guy that's like really good with his canned food and stuff? Does he get extra points for that? That's what I mean. Hiking is not a sport. It's an, it's an activity. Like, do they have hiking tournaments? Not that I'm aware of. Do they, do they have hike-offs? I don't think so. Right, so hiking's not a sport. It's a hobby. Works for me. So, okay, so on your spring break, you practiced your hobby. I did. And hiked 40 miles. I did. Right through the marsh. That's, and it was badass, dude. That's so millennial. Are you kidding me? Yes. I never see any millennials out there. Not out there. Well, not exactly doing the hiking, but hiking and then expressing yourself as a hiker oh i never expressed myself being in the outdoors and all that that's real millennial (laughs) i never expressed myself as a hiker it's just because here's the thing though i mean i only really like doing it in the saint john's river marsh and then i do actually enjoy hiking the northern everglades that i like doing too which i might do tomorrow morning as a matter of fact what the hell are you telling me earlier during dinner fakahatchee and all these places oh the fakahatchee strand yeah that so I'd like to go hiking out there at some point. I got a Jesse, um, I, I don't know what his last name is. We talk on Instagram all the time. He's over there on the West Coast. And he goes to the Fakahatchee Strand all the time. And we've been planning to attempt to go out there one of these days. It hasn't happened yet, but one of these days. I'd love to go with Drew, but he can't get up early enough. Boy, is getting up early like essential to be like a good hiker? I'm all about seeing the wildlife. And right. the thing I've learned is if you want to be able to have a good chance of seeing the wildlife, you got to get there early before everybody else gets there. Which means like, and for, to get from here to the Fakahatchee is about just under two hours. So we're looking at... So you got to get there before everybody else. Yes. I do that with the Mart, with St. John's too. But, all right. Getting there before everybody else. <laughs> you're, not, you're not into that? Well, I'm just... Guys are out there trying to get up earlier to out-hike you. Like, they want to... No, that's the thing. Nobody does that. I just still like to make sure. Because here's the problem with St. John's. There are people that go in there running. Which, I'll be honest, I would never do that. Because the way that that marsh is set up, I mean, it's it's legit. If you slip, I mean, you're probably going to freaking twist your ankle or break it. You mean r- running like marathoners or people that actually they run? They jog. I call them joggers. And they go in there, and they make a shit ton of noise. Now, mind you, this is what drives me nuts. I was on the track team in high school. We didn't have the energy to talk to each other while we were running. We're, I mean, we'd been, I'm, I'm listening to these people. I'm like, how are you guys, one, talking, but two, screaming like this? And they spook all the wildlife. So, yes, I believe it's essential to get there early before everybody else. So people are running... And then they're talking too loud while they're running, and then they're huffing and puffing, and then... Exactly, and then it spooks all the wildlife. I can't deal with that. All right. So you get there early. I get there like 6.45, 6.30 early. Like, when I start hiking the St. John's, it's still dark, pretty much. Okay. My mom thinks I'm insane, but... I, I, I wasn't going to say that on the podcast or whatever, <laughs> I but... have a flashlight with me. But... I mean, I'm not exactly the one that relates to millennials the best. 
You know what I mean? I don't sell yourself short, though. I'm not saying I can't appreciate millennials. I can't say that I can't tolerate millennials <laughs> or I don't like millennials or anything like that. But I'm just saying that it's hard for me to... Let's just say I did get up and go hiking, right? Like and if I, you and I went to the Fakahatchee Strand together. Right, and we, and we went hiking, right? Yeah. And then I go to my family's house during Easter, right? Yeah. There's a pretty good chance I wouldn't bring it up. That we hiked together? Well, it wouldn't be like I'd sit down, you know, and be like, hey, you never guess what I did. Is I went hiking for 40 miles with Busaga. <laughs> oh, see, no, I wouldn't do that. What I say is, you're not going to believe what I saw on my hike this morning. So you slide it in there. Yeah, <laughs> but it's more, it's more about the wildlife, not so much the hiking part. Does that make sense? That's just for me. Well, I can understand, like, trying to get somebody engaged in the conversation to do it that way because it's way more interesting than explaining walking 40 fucking miles. I mean, you see an otter and some bears and a deer or something like that. Yeah. So, okay, so you bring people into the conversation about your hikes according to the wildlife that you see. Yeah. All right, I'll roll with that. You roll with that? Well, just... You can appreciate it, right? Tolerate it. <laughs> right. <laughs> Just like I do you millennials. Exactly. <laughs> but you know, it's funny you say otters. Um, I did see an otter in the St. John's and I was really bummed. And if you, got, if you follow me on Instagram, you've seen the video. It was in a little creek at the base of the levee. And you see in the video this big friggin' plastic jug in the creek where the otter's swimming. And every time I look at that video, I get so angry because I'm just looking at like, because I feel like my attention is more directed at this big piece of trash in the water that the otter is swimming through. Right. And it just makes me mad. And it's like, we think we got this shit in the freaking intercoastal. It's in the freaking swamps too. Dude, it's everywhere. And then you're warped at this point in your life. After the big sewage spill and after all the attention that we gave to the environment and after dealing with the captains for clean waters and talking about the CCA, you see things and what's a priority in your mind or what triggers you to call something a priority is different than it was before you were exposed to all that. So now that jug is there and the otter swimming around it and it's like a real thorn in your ass. It is. I get it. I'll be honest. I, 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 it is because I just, I keep looking. I'm like, God, it, it like takes away from the video because I feel like all your focus is like, oh wow, look at that big jug. Right. You know? Well, traditional media, magazines and that kind of stuff would either one, go pick the jug up and take the photo like it wasn't there because it doesn't fit the image but image is what you actually see when you're there. I would have gone down there, but it was like right in the middle of that scum of the, all that pond water. And I couldn't be too short or wouldn't a gator in there because I'd actually have to go into the water to get it because otherwise I would have grabbed it. But your heart is in the right place. Well, I appreciate that. <laughs> I, no, and I tell you, too, I actually uh, we saw a whole bunch of wild hogs in there. And the hogs actually let us get pretty close to them, too. I got videos. They're like maybe 12 feet away. Are you feeding them marshmallows? No, they were feeding on, I don't know if it was acorns or whatever it was that dropped, but they were feeding on something. They weren't aggressive. They saw us. They knew we were there. 
we finally just started walking towards them and they looked at us and just kind of made their way down the path and they didn't bother us. Is that a no-kill zone? Yes, that's a no-kill zone. The animals know. Yeah, I think they know. I think they're used to it. Didn't see a, didn't see a bear, um, which I was kind of bummed about. I did see a coyote, though. Really? That was actually pretty cool. I, 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 I've only seen a coyote twice in the wild. So I saw a coyote. You see Ernst and them been shooting coyotes up there. Oh, yeah. Fly or they got to they gotta think, they got like an infestation of coyotes up there in that area. Do they really? Yeah, it's pretty bad. They, coyotes are one of the things that there's no, um, there's no bag limit on coyotes because technically they're not a native species. They, okay. they showed up here in the 70s. They're, yeah, they're, they're, they're borderline considered invasive species like the hogs. Okay. I just learned you something. Pretty How good. About that? I didn't know that. I really wanted to talk on this podcast about something um, that really kind of also hit me hard too when I was up in Orlando. So, have you? Are you familiar with the documentary? They've been advertising it for a while. Uh, Saving the Florida Wildlife Corridor. You told me about the documentary. Some other people online referred to the documentary. I haven't actually seen it. Do yourself a favor and watch it. You can watch it online for free. What's the name of it again? Saving the Florida Wildlife Corridor. Okay. It's not even 30 minutes. It's like 27 minutes. So it's short. The, 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 the way it hits you, if you're somebody that cares about the environment, it's, it's pretty impressive. Now, the coincidence about when I watched the documentary. So where my mom lives, right behind her little development, there's acres of open field. It's beautiful back there. Mm-hmm. The bald eagles all congregate there in the late afternoon. It's pretty cool. I walked back there, and they started developing. What do you? What do you? What, do you, what did you see? What are they doing? They were digging up the ground, the bulldozers, everything back there. And I was like, and I said, "What? What are they putting here?" They said, "More houses." And I was pissed. Like I literally was like, "Are you kidding me right now? They're building more freaking shit." Well, yeah. So coincidentally, I, um, I found the link to the documentary that night, and I watched it. And I mean, it just hit me because the biggest thing they talk about is the overdevelopment of land. Mm. The guy that made it, he's, uh, he's somebody that I forgot what his name was, but he worked for, he'd been working for National Geographic for years and filming it. Right at the beginning of the documentary, they're, they're talking about the Everglades, and he, and he made a comment about how he said, you know, I've been going out into these woods for years. He said, in all the time I spend out here, I could probably count on one hand how many times I have seen a black bear in the wild in Florida. He said, also, additionally, he said, all the time I've spent, I have only seen a Florida panther twice and you know and you and i were talking about this too when you see things and hear things that kind of resonate with you and they make you think i started thinking to myself you know i've been going into the woods like hardcore going into the woods for almost 20 years almost 20 years i then thought to myself how many times have i actually seen a black bear in the wild jeff and all this time I could say maybe 10 times have I ever seen a black bear in the wild in Florida. I have never seen a Florida panther. 
Yeah. You ever see a track or anything? I've seen tracks. Right. But I've never seen a panther. My dad, he's been going into the woods for the better half of over 35 years. Guess how many times he's seen a panther? Man. Once. You seen one? All right. Once. But what he was trying to get at is we're not seeing these things as much as we really should. Like I laugh sometimes when I hear these people that move here saying, oh, well, I saw a bear in my yard. We need to do something about that. There's too many bears. And I'm thinking to myself, how often do we honestly see bears? Honestly. Again, Jeff, all this time, maybe 10, maybe 10 I've seen a bear in the wild. But what he talks about is they call, they call it the Florida Wildlife Corridor. It's all this land that starts in the panhandle, goes all the way down into the Everglades. And it's connected. And it gives, because the main focus of this is for all wildlife, but particularly the bear and the panther is what we're really trying to save. Because that's what there's not enough of. But this corridor connects all of that land and it gives these animals the opportunity to move all throughout the state pretty much. What, and they talk about the overdevelopment and how overdevelopment is encroaching in. Breaking the corridor. It's breaking the corridor. So what they're saying is then what happens is all these populations of say the bears in the Everglades are then cut off from the bears in central Florida the bears in northern Florida. And what can happen is then too much because bears need a lot of room to move around. And that can affect the gene pool. Same as with the panthers. It can affect breeding, which can affect the whole population, the species in general. It's a lot of shit. But they talk about the overdevelopment. And there was a lady on there who said, she said, you know, my grandpa used to say that the last crop that will grow in Florida is going to be a house. That hits you. And they really put an emphasis on the overdevelopment and the dangers of overdevelopment. And they were talking to the cattle ranchers because right now the cattle ranchers are our best hope because they've got all this land, private owners, one guy got on there and said, there is not one friend of mine who had sold his land to a developer that hasn't said, I should have never done that. So they're regretting selling the land. They're regretting selling the land. Well, they, that would make sense for people that understand the land. Yeah. Unfortunately, this development isn't going to stop. The panthers and the bears are fucked. Unfortunately, here in the state of Florida, all the way up through the Carolinas and stuff, any type of natural corridors are going to be developed. It's totally insane. And the coastal development, in my opinion, not in my opinion, it for fact, is different than other types of development. And what I mean by that is 80% of your wildlife is on the shoreline of a coastal community. So you know where the vast majority of that wildlife is. And what we're doing now to develop those areas is you wipe out the natural coastline. You fill it with concrete and make a seawall. Did you see the post I did over in Punta Gorda? 
Yeah, they're putting a big freaking development over there. That's an old folks home. Okay? These old folks homes are owned by these huge corporations. And those huge corporations are taking coastal communities, filling with concrete for a profit. Everybody knows it. Everybody's watching it. But yet nobody does anything. And nobody's doing anything about it. And the way I look at it, we're never going to stop development. But we can change the way we develop. And we've talked about that before. In this podcast, when we do the image for the podcast, I'm going to put Paradise Lake up. And it's going to show you this beautiful natural shoreline. And then it's going to show you about... 150 yards where they cut out of this beautiful natural shoreline and put a concrete old folks home there. And I don't understand why they developed that particular way in this day and age when everybody's supposed to be so green and all these companies are watching out for the environment and all this bullshit. It's all fake. But when the big company comes into a small town like Punta Gorda and they're developing on shoreline, they're allowed to wipe out mangroves. It's supposed to be against the law, but they do it all the time. Fort Lauderdale, the city of Fort Lauderdale just did it here in Georgia Leisure Park. Eliminated, I don't know how much of the mangroves, probably 50% of them. Why? Well, they put in a new boat ramp there, and they're getting ready to put in the second boat ramp. And for whatever reason, they eliminated a whole bunch of mangroves down there. Now, the city's allowed to do that. You and I can't. Well, it may be against the law, but they're allowed to do that. Nobody's doing anything about it. No. That old folks home over there in Punta Gorda, we're allowed to do that. And they may have broken the law, but if nobody goes and they don't pay a penalty for it, then they allowed them to do that. And it's not necessary to build a concrete seawall. For instance, why didn't they leave that natural shoreline the way it was? and build a wooden pier around the shoreline as a walkway like they do in the, in, the, in the parks. And they have a walkway that goes around the shoreline for those old folks to take a stroll down there and check yeah, out the pretty. shoreline and the birds and everything. But instead, they develop it like it's New York City. Yeah. Well, that's what's happening is we get all the Yankees from the north that come down here. They want it to almost be like New York City. And those are the people that complain about the bears and the bobcats being around their area in Central and North Florida and want them to be killed. Those are the people that need to watch that documentary. Those are the people that need to watch that documentary. I feel you. And it's, but I just thought it was interesting, though, how it, the timing was perfect because, and they, they really are emphasizing the fact, it's like, guys, we have to save this corridor. Like, I mean, there's, there's not that much left of natural wildlife, wild areas in Florida. How about that freaking hashtag that they always got? Keep Florida wild. Let's keep it wild. Why do we keep developing it? Like you said, the way that we, we can talk, it's why don't we just develop differently? Why do we have to eliminate everything and make it almost like a New York City? Why do we have to do that? Well, we don't have to, but they do it for profit. And... The same companies that are spending all this money in PR talking about how green they are. Did you know the Tortuga Fest is all about being green and, saving, shit. and saving the world? Have you seen the mess that gets left on Fort Lauderdale Beach because of Tortuga? 
actually, I heard that it was extremely clean. Really? That's this it, year. And the girls went, and they were kind of bragging about that being extremely clean. But my point is, okay, Tortuga uses the environment as a PR, like strategy, kind of tool. Tool. And so do all these big corporations, and all it is is PR tool. They don't mean it. They don't follow up with it. It's just for their image. In 99% of these foundations, these corporations, stuff that you see on TV, it's all for their image. It means nothing. It's fake. And anybody that wants to argue that, go take a look at Paradise Lake in Punta Gorda. And you look at that monstrosity that they put on the most beautiful, pristine place that had more wildlife than any place in Punta Gorda Isles, you would see ospreys. Probably bald eagles out there too, you right? You would see bald eagles. You would see tarpon, redfish, snook, tilapia, largemouth bass. Okay, I made a post about this lake about three or four years ago. And what they did is they went with that Roundup stuff and they killed all the weeds in the lake. I remember that. And you remember all the fish died. Yep. And the people that lived on the lake screamed holy hell. The city comes in and tells the people that lived on the lake that it was because of a water flip. And that bullshit. was bullshit. Right. And they knew it was bullshit. And they knew that they sprayed the lake with poison before that. And the power of the media and the power of the local government even though it was apparent that the fish were killed because they were poisoned, was blown off because of what they called a water flip. And they told people like my parents and the other people who lived on that lake, that's what it was all about. So now this confusion starts. And that confusion is manipulated by the government to make sure people are confused so they're not positive what's going on there. Yeah. And it's for people that actually know what's going on is plain and simple. But for these old folks that moved down here from Michigan that are retired, if somebody tells them about a water flip, even if they don't believe it completely, it puts doubt in their mind. A lot of those northerners are just happy to be where the sun is and not have to deal with the cold. I think a lot of them could care less about wildlife or fish or anything. Well, it's a different, it's a different, those people grew up in a different era. And supposedly, this new era, the millennials of the world, these crunchy people, all these people that are wearing these weird tight... These crunchy people? These crunchy people. They're wearing tight pants and have these beards and shit and all live downtown. Old oh, neck beards, right? And drink $10 coffees and stuff. They're all going to save the world. Well, they're doing a pretty poor job of it. Yeah. They're doing a shit job of it, actually. But supposedly... These are the people that are going to save the world. And what's up with Fort Lauderdale? The most, one of the most liberal counties in all of Florida. Well, aren't the libs supposed to be like way into environment and no pollution and all that? Well, if you take a good look at Fort Lauderdale, competing with Miami to be the most polluted place on the East Coast right now. It's a never-ending construction zone. I mean, honestly, Jeff, when have we not been in a construction zone over here? It's always a construction zone. It's always going to be a construction zone. If we could just simply get people to understand that when they develop on any type of coast, that's where the majority of wildlife is. And it's the, it's the old 80-20 rule. And the 80-20 rule 
goes a lot of different ways, and you can use it a lot of different. What is the eighty twenty rule? All right. What what business are you in? Healthcare. All right. And you guys do what? You guys do staffing, recruit. Staffing. Yep. Okay. I guarantee you, never been to your company, don't know anybody that, that works at your company, but I guarantee you that 20% of the people are doing 80% of the work. Yeah. Because 100%. you get, yeah, because you have your top 20%. And then you have 80% that are just kind of show up to work every day and do whatever. The bare minimum. 80 20 rule. Okay. With pollution, when I took the mayor out in the uh, intercoastal, and I took the commissioners out in the intercoastal. And I explained about the 80-20 rule out there. And it was real simple. 80% of the pollution is in 20% of the areas. So it's not like we need to worry about 100% of the area when 80% of the pollution is in 20% of the area. The 80-20 rule. So the 80-20 rule goes a lot of different ways and people use it in that, in, in that format. See what I'm getting at? Yeah. The 80-20 rule. Kind of like a Fibonacci type thing. That's like that could be used for eighty percent of the bears and the panthers are found in only twenty percent of the wildlife corridor. The eighty twenty rule. Yeah. The coastal, the coastal shoreline has eighty percent. Jesus. So when we develop on coastline, we have to change the way we develop. I mean, pretty soon, what is the whole state going to be like? Fort Lauderdale, Miami, and Palm Beach. That's what I'm worried about. And the problem is, is people keep moving here. And I, I wish there was a way that we could honestly stop people from moving here. That's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. But I wish that there was just a way to say, nope, we're full. Well, supply and demand, there's going to be an end somewhere. And what I mean by that is Florida used to be a fairly, um, let's just say, not expensive place to live. It was fairly affordable. Yeah, because nobody wanted to be here because the mosquitoes and the hurricanes. Well, that's over. Okay, Florida is not an affordable place to move. It's the most expensive now. Right. So maybe, I wouldn't count on it, that the influx of people coming down here may slow down. That would be great. At least slow down. It's not going to stop. But at least slow down. But regardless, people are going to come here. People are going to keep developing. Which politician have you heard talk about developing differently? None. None. Like literally none of them. Zero. We are, but you know what though, Busaka, DeSantis, he's looking out for you because if you want to keep a red snapper next year, you might be able to keep one. <laughs> hey, Ron, I'll let the snappers swim. What are you going to do about the fucking seawall in Paradise Lake in Punta Gorda? You know what he's going to do? Nothing. But you might be able to keep two red snappers next year. Oh, boy. That'll make up for that big time. And people are going to get all mad at me about freaking saying something about DeSantis. You can disagree with somebody if you don't like <laughs> something that they're doing. I like DeSantis as a governor. I think, I think he's better than most governors. Yeah. But he's still a governor. Yeah. Well, again, you're allowed to not agree with something that he's done. You don't have to agree with every single thing that their politician does. In this day and age, if you say anything <laughs> negative about anybody... People will hate you. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, you, bring it on with the whole DeSantis thing. I like DeSantis. I voted for DeSantis. I think he's better than most. But what has DeSantis done about developing on coastal communities? Nothing. He's a smart dude. He knows. His hands are tied because who pays? The developers, developers pay. Developers pay. They have big money. 
You said that lake is Paradise Lake? It's called Paradise Lake. They should change it to Paradise Lost, because I think that's more fitting now, don't you? They'll probably name the, they'll probably name the um, old folks on Paradise Lake. Sell the image, dude. Yeah, we'll put a seawall there, and we'll kill all the wildlife, but we'll call it Paradise, and we'll sell that to you. And people will buy it. Then they've been buying it. Yep. That's been Florida's story. Yeah, and it's always people from outside the state that fall for it, too, as far as they're concerned. People inside the state fall for it, too. They do. And then, no, they do. like you said, some of the farmers are regretting it, but that's the minority. Yeah. I mean, it's... How do you, how do you sell all your beautiful land and then watch them put a fucking strip mall there? How could you be happy after seeing that? Even if they... It, again, he said they all said, I should have never sold, but right. they did. And they regret it. And they regret it. My whole thing, okay, so you have a new rule about developing on coastal communities. There should also be laws and rules about developing in an area that hasn't upgraded their infrastructure. For instance, here in Fort Lauderdale, where we're building state-of-the-art skyscrapers and we're plugging them into infrastructure that we built in the 70s. Older than that. The state knows about that. The feds know about that. The county knows about that. And we know about that. And how many buildings are going up right now? Dude, it's, it's never-ending. Right. Again, never-ending construction zone. Right. So it's not about development necessarily. It's about the way we develop. You should not be able to build a state-of-the-art skyscraper that houses thousands of people and plug it into an infrastructure system that was built in the 70s. But they keep doing it. You put in the best and the safest and the most up-to-date, innovative sewage system, drain system, then maybe it will support thousands and thousands of new people. But we know damn well that it can't support thousands and thousands of new people, and it's not just Fort Lauderdale. It's friggin' every town across the whole state. If their infrastructure cannot support development, they should not be able to develop until their infrastructure does. We're talking about sewage, septic, and drain runoff. Now you think about Broward County, for instance, which is now probably 80% concrete. At least. Let's just call it 80% concrete. What that means is 80% of everything that falls on the ground ends up in the drain somewhere. Yeah. And then it rains. Right. If you only have 10% of it built out, well, then I, obviously it's not so dramatic. But in these areas, like Fort Lauderdale, and the rest of the state is following suit. The West Coast, dude, they are putting up neighborhoods with thousands of people with the same old drain system, filling in coastal areas with concrete making seawalls some of the people out in the more undeveloped areas they're still doing septic and everybody knows the problems nobody's changing and until things change it is going to be a path of destruction like we have never seen like we have never seen they're going to develop that natural corridor that you saw in that documentary. More Paradise Lakes are going to be filled with concrete. I'm going to keep doing doc, uh, and documenting Paradise Lake because that's the 
first seawall that they put in. Do you it's think the they're going to stop there? No, it's not the last. Supposedly, you're not allowed to kill the mangroves. Is, How many did they kill putting that in? Is the mayor of Punta Gorda, Florida, going to take that to the state and say, how were they able to kill mangroves? Or is he going to turn his head and act like it didn't happen? He's going to turn his head. He's a politician. Right. And the people that live in that town should hold him accountable. But they won't. Some might. 80-20, remember? 80-20 rule. Probably right. Go back to the 80-20 rule. 80-20 rule. 80% of the people are clueless. 20% of the people may understand what we're even talking about. Yeah. My favorite thing about this podcast is thousands of people listen to it and we're able to work in this environmental conversation in an everyday, real guy way. Now, granted, we do other podcasts and stuff where we don't talk a lot about it. No, we'll be funny but we and do, But we always slide the message in. The narrative. The narrative. And we try to educate people the best that we can. As we learn something, we want to spread that information to people that love their coastal communities. It's one of the, it, it is by far the most powerful thing that I've been able to do as far as making any type of change. Yeah, or just making any kind of difference in general. Well, the, the first step is, is to get more people to think like you. And in long form media like this, we've been talking for 37 minutes. We can talk about what we do on a daily basis. We can entertain people by talking about millennials and other type mm -hmm. of things like that. But at the end of the episode, Hopefully, the people that love their coastal communities and that listen to this podcast now think differently and can discuss things differently, can digest things differently. And, and can maybe, try to get others to think that way, too. It's the well, domino effect. It is the domino effect, and it's not fake PR. No. And some people, I'll be honest, some people have said, like, man, you guys have been awfully negative. But you know what? It's the truth because this is serious. Every time I go up to Central Florida, I walk through that marsh. I get so nervous. I look around. I just think to myself, oh, my gosh, what if this ends up being gone one day and I have nowhere left to explore? And I'll be honest, that shit worries me. Well, it worries you because you're watching it decline in your own lifetime. Yeah. It, it, it should make it should be completely alarming. But most people, they don't. Most people yeah. don't go hiking and spend that type of time in the outdoors. You did 40 miles last week. <laughs> There's people that go their whole life and never walk 40 miles in the wilderness. Never mind understanding what's around them. Like remember I told you I saw that big piece of plastic with the otters swimming around? Yeah. I feel like a lot of people would look at that and just be like, oh, well, that's just, that's just how it is these days. There's going to be trash in the water. Yeah, that's how they look at it. They don't know any different. Yeah. But see, that's scary. Like how we used to talk about when you walk up and down the beach, kids see trash on the beach. They think that's normal. There are people that walk through that swamp that think that seeing that shit is normal. Don't use the word scary. Concerning. Alarming. Or, Alarming. Okay. Concerning. Because one of the things that bugs me about the kids at my, like my daughter's age, 16, 17, they all say I'm afraid and I'm scared. They've never been afraid in their life, and they've never been scared in their life. I've only been scared like two or three times my whole life. Like really scared. So when people say, oh, it's, it's scary. No, it's not. It's concerning. It's, alar yeah, it's alarming. concerning or alarming. Or, or I'm afraid. And it's kind of like in modern day media, they use 
you know, the same old friggin' phrases that, like, how many times do people refer to the Holocaust? The reason the Holocaust is such a friggin' powerful phrase is because there was only one Holocaust. It was crazy nasty. The worst thing you could ever imagine. It should never be compared to anything else, but people do it all the time. These kids today, uh, Real Love brought it up the other day. Who did? Real Love. Allison oh, on, the, on the podcast. Yeah. She was talking about the young kids um, use the word epic. Everything's epic. And she's like, something, hap- something that's epic only happens to you once or twice in a lifetime. Right. Every, very rarely is something <laughs> epic. But according to today's kids, today's language, everything's epic. Everything. I, thought, I, have, I have heard that. <laughs> right? I have heard Everything's that. Everything's epic. All was epic. It was scary. Oh, I was afraid. You've never been scared in your life, kid. <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> You're not wrong. <laughs> Just saying. I my, my whole thing is that I've been called out on this, too. I have a little bit of a bad habit of I, I use the word phenomenal a lot. Like if I have good food at a restaurant, I might say that, oh, that food was phenomenal. That person's phenomenal. Phenomenal. Yeah, yeah, you're only allowed to use phenomenal like once a month. Like if you're using it twice a day, you're probably using the word phenomenal too much. Yeah, I think I am. It's all right. It's all right. Nobody hates you. We love you. I appreciate that. You know, we, we, dude, dude, I support you. Tolerate me. (laughs) I keep going back to the beginning. We're going to support Tolerate. You're like bouncing (laughs) back and forth between the two words. I just, I just, as I grow older and understand that you younger generations are way more sensitive right there was a time there was a time where if somebody said phenomenal too many times you might like you know give them a shot in the gut you know or kidney punch or something you can't kidney punch your friend anymore or to make a point we might moving on moving out. on it's way too confusing what you're allowed to say anymore right let's just concentrate on the coastal communities the pollution and um Ron letting you keep two snappers next year or whatever the hell the thing Oh, is. yeah. That does nothing for me. <laughs> I mean, I'm just saying it does nothing for me. Do you think if it wasn't, like, coming up to an election that maybe the snapper thing wouldn't have come up? Like, Probably I, wouldn't have. Well, I, I'm, just, I'm just not sure that Ron and his chief of staff and those guys are going to bed every night worried about how many snapper the local fishermen can catch. Do I think they're going to bed at night worrying about whether they're going to get their vote or not, yeah, yeah, that's what they're worried about. Well, yeah, it's a politician, right? That's what they care about, right? So, now, like I said, I like DeSantis. I like his conservative I do too, attitude. Dude, you me? I like him picking a fight with Disney just to make a point and all that other stuff that he's doing. I'm cool, but he's still a freaking politician. I'm really not into politicians. They drive me crazy. They all seem to have similar qualities. Is the problem? They will say anything to get a vote. Yeah. They will hire anybody to come up with anything to get votes. They care about getting votes. Kind of like most foundations, they care about getting money. Yep. They say, all right, they say that they're into it for the environment or an animal or whatever it may be. And then they spend all their time and money and energy looking for money. (laughs) More money. Right, because they need more money, because that's what the whole thing is about. It's not about all that crap, and that's the 80-20 rule. 80% of the foundations out there are doing nothing but collecting money. 
And the sad thing about that is people are giving him money thinking that they're doing the right thing. The whole thing's totally crazy. Well, you know who I kind of want to call out on this podcast, but I don't know if I'd get in trouble for it. I can always edit. Go ahead. Call him out. Am I going to get in trouble for calling him out? What do you mean, get in trouble? Um, eh, you know what? Fuck it. So I got my, my issue. I think his whole thing is fake. He talks about being an advocate and we have to save the Everglades <laughs> and all this stuff. He's never at any rallies. Like when the Captains for Clean Water, when that bill, um, I forgot what it was called, SB, whatever the hell it was. People took off from work to go right to the state capitol to fight that shit. He should have been first in line right there because that directly affects the Everglades that he quote unquote loves and wants to protect. He didn't go anywhere near that. He never does. His whole thing is a complete act. It is a sham. And it makes me absolutely sick because people buy into his bullshit. And I know that sounds pretty harsh, but it's true. He talks a good game, but when it comes to actually trying to make a difference and fighting the good fight, he is nowhere to be seen. I'm going to bleep out the name because you could plug so many names into that model. Yeah. But I'm not going to edit it totally out of the podcast. Thank you. No, we could tell people, you know what, think about it and see if you guys can figure out who it is. I wouldn't be surprised if I get messages then saying, who are you talking about? Dude, there's a, <laughs> you could, there's a lot of people you could plug say, the you name could in. plug the name in. You could. Any John Doe. Yeah. Let's see if you guys can figure out who I'm talking about. Or better yet, make your own. Yeah. I'm sure they know people that they could plug in there. Absolutely. And it's about PR. It's to make themselves look like they care. Seem like they care. It's the image. The image. It's all That's about the image. It's all about the image. Same in the fishing world. A lot of people, it's all about an image. But it just drives me nuts because I just, I kept going back to what that guy said at the beginning of the documentary. How many times can we honestly think, all the time we spent in the woods, how many times have we actually seen a bear or a panther in the wild? And all the time I've spent out there, 10 times seeing a bear, zero seeing a... Now, panther's obviously extremely rare, but bear, all that time, and it's only 10 times, I should tell you something's wrong. Well, something's obviously wrong because the fecal bacteria levels in pretty much most of the state are off the fucking charts. It's embarrassing. They should be ashamed of it, yet everybody turns a blind eye to it. Dude, do you know how much money is spent to cover that up? To make sure people don't understand millions. that? Millions. Millions upon millions upon millions of dollars is spent making sure people don't understand that. Meanwhile, all those millions of dollars could easily be redirected to try to fix crumbling infrastructure that caused that issue. If you're going to bank on development, then infrastructure should be something that Every municipality in the state should be on top of. Yeah. Florida should be a leader to the world on how to develop in ways that are sustainable. Duh. Where you don't make it a wasteland. <laughs> yeah. And we could, should be able to teach the world. Instead, we're the opposite. Yeah. We are a fake image 
teaching other parts of the world how to become a fake image so they can exploit the piss out of the natural resources. You know what other state is having that issue too, believe it or not, is Tennessee. The Carolinas, the lots of them. Tennessee is big time. Their natural resources are being raped even as we speak. Absolutely. And they have the same exact issues and the same exact problems. Yep. But their growth rate is nothing like ours. No, it's not. It's big. It's it stronger is. than yes. it's ever been. And they're seeing things that they've never seen. And as a Floridian, all I can say to the Carolinas and Tennessee and any other place that these people are moving is get used to it, get ahead of it, and understand what needs to change in order for it to be not a disaster like the state of Florida. Yeah. And I don't care what anybody says, and I don't care who's the governor. At this point in time, this is nothing but a natural disaster caused by humans that is being covered up by humans for money. The almighty dollar. The almighty dollar. I hope we weren't too dark on this podcast, but I just... Fuck it, dude. It just, it, it, it's something that's very important to me. Dude, who cares? Who cares? Is that what's on your mind? No. What's on my mind is that the shit I love is being destroyed. Right. So what you said today is what was on your mind. What I said today is what's on my mind. And that's what's important, Busaka. Honesty is important. Directivity is important. Understanding what's going on around you is important. And to relay that message is important. So if it's a little dark and it's a little too much for some people, it's cool. There's a million other podcasts they can listen to. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. We don't have any sponsors or anything that we're sucking up to or anything like that. So say whatever you want. If you're wrong, people will tell you you're wrong. But I guarantee you, they may think it's a little bit depressing. They may think it's a little bit dark. They may not like what they hear, but they can't say it ain't true. Facts. All right, Busaka, thanks for coming in this week. That was great, dude. You spend that time outdoors, it makes you think. I mean, we all know you got a brain in your head. Call that a successful week. <laughs> Run that dog. Run that dog. <laughs>